0: Hey you, yes you, passionate sports fan. If you'll give me less than 60 seconds, I wanna tell you how you can start making as much as six figures per year and do it all around your passion for sports. Hi there, my name is Jim Parsons and I know there are at least 14 different methods sports fans can use to start earning a solid income off of their love of sports. And I wanna show you the system I've created that will start allowing you to profit from your love of the game and turn your favorite hobby into a profitable side hustle. Let's take you from being a hobbyist, to a professional sports fan, and show you how to make money in an industry you love. Go to SportsSideHustle.com, that's SportsSideHustle.com, and download my free startup guide. I'll explain to you the four fundamentals that you need to get started, and then show you where to go if you want to learn more. Hey, the athletes don't need to be the only ones making money off of sports. Go to SportsSideHustle.com today, and let's get started. Hello, hockey fans! Welcome to another edition of NHL Trade Talk, the podcast. My name is Jim Parsons. I'm here with NHLTradeTalk.com. It is Sunday. It is the day before Halloween. We hope everybody has a fantastic Halloween, a very safe Halloween. If you're going trick or treating with your kids, or you kids that are listening to this or going trick or treating, be careful. Be safe. Make sure you're having fun, um, but do it wisely. This episode of the show is going to be all about the trade that went down between the Vancouver Canucks and the Carolina Hurricanes. Ethan Bear is on the move, and he is on the ice with Vancouver as we record this. Uh, So that's kind of a cool thing, a trade that has happened already. We're going to talk a little bit about the Toronto Maple Leafs and their struggles in Toronto. They were in on the Ethan Bear trade conversations, but it didn't pan out for them. Weren't willing to make the uh, pick or include the pick in that deal. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Chicago and what's going on there. They're playing better than people thought. They've got some players that are going to be moved before the trade deadline. One player in particular, Jonathan Taves, is playing extremely well for the Blackhawks, and he's upping his value. And more and more teams are interested. So we're going to talk about all of that. Brooke Laferno is going to join me here in a second. So enjoy this episode of NHL Trade Talk, the podcast. Don't forget, download, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. Help us grow this thing. Uh, we're having a lot of fun making it. We just need the people to listen to it. All right. Enjoy this episode. This is all about Ethan Baer, the Toronto Maple Leafs, Chicago Blackhawks. Here we go. Welcome, everybody, back to another edition of NHL Trade Talk, the podcast. My name is Jim Parsons, is NHLTradetalk.com, I'm the Hockey Raiders, and wherever else you happen to come across, some of the stuff that I'm working on. As always, here with Brooke Laferno, same thing, NHLTradetalk.com, the Hockey Raiders covering Chicago Blackhawks, which we're going to be talking about a little bit today. Brooke, how are you?
1: Oh, I'm doing good. We got a lot to cover today.
0: Yeah, you know what? I mean, we are a show about trades, so we talk mostly about that, and there was actually a trade. In the NHL. Now, a couple of them, actually. And Vancouver is the team that we're going to be focused on to start the show. Because they, I don't know that you would call this a huge trade. For whatever reason, it seems like it's big. Because Ethan Bear is a very popular player. Uh, he's got uh, a big, huge community following. Um, things like that. But he moves from the Carolina Hurricanes to the Vancouver Canucks. And the reason that I say that it might not be a huge trade is because he has a plate. He's, he has mm-hmm. not played all season. He was missed all of Carolina's playoffs last year. He hasn't been a big difference maker. He left from the Edmonton Oilers to the Carolina Hurricanes in a trade for Warren Fogle. Everybody in Edmonton, and I cover the team, they were all really mad at this because Ethan Bear was projected to be a pretty good defenseman. He hasn't really panned out in Carolina. He now moves to Vancouver. I don't see him being a huge difference maker for the Canucks, but he will provide some depth. He is a player that has, I think, a better ceiling than he has shown so far in the NHL. He's prone to making some mistakes, but any young defenseman is going to do that. So I figure I'll ask you, we'll start there. What do you make of the fact that it sounded like Carolina wasn't really eager to trade Ethan Bear? He had requested a trade. They were looking at it. They weren't going to give him away, but they kind of did. They sent him to the Vancouver Canucks for a fifth round pick and then retained some salary in the deal. And Vancouver doesn't have to give up a whole lot to get a defenseman who I think is going to get a chance to play. He was on the ice today and he'll be there in Vancouver. What do you make of the trade?
1: I actually like it. I think it's actually okay for both sides. Like I said, Ethan Bear, you're right. He hasn't really panned out as hoped, I think, but teams still have a lot of faith in him, and I think, honestly, for him, it's very hard to thrive right now in Carolina's system when they have such good defensive depth, so he probably just became the odd man out, but for Vancouver, I love it because obviously something needs to change. They started off on a really bad losing streak. Something needs to have been shaken up there. Their defense was really struggling. So I actually think it's a good trade for him. And I think uh, Ethan Bear's agent actually came out and said, this is actually where he wanted to go was Vancouver. It was a team he watched growing up. He's really excited to get going. And I think he'll get a good opportunity there to kind of prove himself again. Like I said, it's hard to do that when you're on a team like the Hurricanes, but I think it'll work out good for him. Um, on the Canucks so I think it's actually probably a good trade for both sides he wasn't getting playing time it's kind of a waste honestly to just have him just sit there so yeah I think it will work out good for both sides
0: yeah there there was no future for him in Carolina right like he's a player who is a pending RFA at the end of the year he signed a 2.2 million dollar deal with Carolina he's now at a 1.8 cap hit for Vancouver because Carolina retained 400,000 dollars in the salary, he was not going to re sign in Carolina. They weren't going to keep him. Like you said, they got a really good team. They got a really strong blue line. They're deep. Um, Rod Brendamore, the coach there, was just like, I'm not, he didn't say I'm not going to play him. And uh, Don Waddell, the GM, was like, Yeah, we'll get him in if we see an opportunity right. to get him in. But there just wasn't one. And there hasn't been one. And there probably wasn't going to be one. So you might as well move the player uh, if you can get rid of some of the salary, which I think Carolina will use at some point this season because they're going to be probably looking to add more scoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're a knock on them as always that in the playoffs, they don't have the scoring that they need to advance, but so they'll use some of that money to get a forward. But I think it's the smart move. And in Vancouver, where you have just so many injuries, Quinn Hughes is on the shelf um, and that might not be long-term, but that's, you know, not great. They've got some other people there that haven't really uh, played all that well. And Vancouver, although they've won two in a row, just not good, right? It's just yes. not a good – this is a team that you can experiment. You can play them. You can get them out there. It can't go much worse than it's already gone for Vancouver. So if he shows anything positive, that's a huge plus for the Canucks, right? Like, yes. Why not give this guy an opportunity to prove to everybody that he is better than he's been showing both at the end of his time at Edmonton and with Carolina? Uh, I see this as a huge win for Vancouver.
1: Yes, I do too. Like I said, something needs to, something needed to happen. And that ended up being perfect for them because he was available. So yeah, we'll see.
0: Yeah. I don't know that he's going to pan out to be a whole big thing there. Like, I don't know how big of a difference he'll make, but just, it's a good move for Vancouver. It's something they needed to do. Uh, They needed to shake up the team just a little bit, even just to sort of say, well, we're trying here. We're not satisfied Mm -hmm. with, for a while being the only winless team in the NHL. Uh, they also pick up Jack Stanica, uh from the Boston Bruins, which I find to be quite an interesting move. Uh, he was a guy that I think Boston had projected to be one of their future centers. Like he was, they've got a lot of pieces in, in Boston now. So much like Ethan bear in Carolina, they weren't exactly going to make room for Stunica in Boston he's his production kind of fell off a cliff a little bit mm-hmm. he started out to be pretty decent um, and then there just wasn't any room for him there you know they've got uh, Charlie Coyle they've got Nick Felino, they've got Patrice Bergeron was back now Pavel Zaka can play center there's just a lot of options uh, David Krejci's obviously back with the Bruins right so there just wasn't wasn't a spot for him I don't know what he'll do in Vancouver but I think he's going to be motivated and I think he'll get an opportunity there.
1: Well, like I said, I think they said he had seven points spanned across the last four seasons or 38 games. So he probably needed a fresh start, I think. And obviously that's sometimes all you need. New environment, new organization. And Vancouver can certainly use someone like him. So, and he had a really, he had so much potential. I think he was a second round pick. So there is potential there. So it's probably a good move too.
0: Yeah. He's never really done much in the NHL, um, but they did have high hopes for him. Like Mm -hmm. it was something they figured because he was quite the in Providence and stuff like that. So I think they think or thought he was going to be a player, but it just didn't pan out there. So yes. he gets a fresh start in Vancouver, which is not um, not a terrible thing. No. Let's switch gears, but stay on sort of the Ethan Bear train here a little bit because there was talk Elliot Friedman reported uh, during the 32 Thoughts segment on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday that Toronto was a team that might have kicked tires on Ethan Bear, that they showed a little interest there. And they did actually, he's confirmed that they did, inquire about him just weren't willing to give up the fifth round pick that Vancouver did to acquire the player because of the fact that they don't have really draft picks to give. If they'd given another pick, they would only have three next year and they weren't really interested in giving up another pick. Toronto's basically mortgaged their entire future to be what turns out right now to be a very mediocre team. They are not performing at the level that they should. So let's talk a little bit of Toronto First, let's talk a little bit about Ethan Bear and their interest in Ethan Bear. Were you surprised to hear that they might have been kicking tires on the defenseman?
1: Yeah, um, I'm not surprised because I think they were in the market for defensemen all, even last year at the trade deadline. I think they even said they like inquired about Calvin DeHaan for a hot second. Like, I think they were always looking for one, but I'm not surprised it didn't pan out. And I didn't really ever see Ethan Bear there. It might have been a cheaper option. I just didn't see it panning out. I think Vancouver was probably... The better option I think for both sides but like I said that's kind of in Toronto's hands right now that they kind of did that to themselves you know like you said they gave up all their picks they put themselves in this position I mean it was a good strategy they had a good team last year they put all their eggs in one basket but then now they're stuck in a place where they can't it's harder to make changes so yeah I'm not surprised they inquired and I'm not surprised it didn't work out (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things I'm thinking here. One, Ethan Bear going to Vancouver's kind of, it's not a big market, but it is big enough. It's a Canadian okay. team. There's going to be a following there. Uh, people will be watching him much more closely than they watched him in Carolina. It's not Edmonton. Vancouver's not Edmonton, where he was watched very closely. It's certainly not Toronto. Had you put Ethan Bear in Toronto and he not performed extremely well, considering that they need someone to come in and perform, that would have been a lot of pressure on a player like okay. Ethan Bear. I'm not sure that that would have panned out Terribly well. Uh, I'm also with you on the whole, like, where are they at? What's their situation? What can Toronto actually do here? Because Jake Muzzin's on LTIR, but it's not a given that he's out for the whole season, right? Like, there's all this talk that he may never come back. And then right. there's talk that it might not be as long as, it, as people think. So Toronto's not in a position where they can just go out and add more salary and then go, oh, well, what happens if, you know, Jake Muzzin can come back? Uh-huh. then you all of a sudden you got to make room again. And Toronto has like none, right. They have yeah. no ability like a lot of teams to just go out and add salary. So I do think Toronto's looking, I think Kyle Dubas is out there trying to figure out if there's something that he can do to, cause I don't, I don't, I think Justin hall is just not working out for them. Uh, <laughs> no. There's they're really hard on him. Uh, he's not played terribly well. They're treating him like he's not playing very well. Jake Muzzin's out. Um, Little Grin's out for a little bit. Uh, Jordy Ben is out. They're both coming back soon, but I mean, they so, they're ravaged with injuries and they're just not playing well. I don't know if you want to add Ethan bear to that mix and then yeah. have it not pan out. Like it just, you don't want a kid like that coming in, trying to be the somewhat savior in Toronto. I, I know that that's unfair to say, but that's how people look at things in Toronto. It's either the high of the high or the low of the low. And if uh-huh. Ethan bear plays great, he's the best thing ever. Yeah. And if he doesn't play great, He's the worst decision ever. So I don't know if you want to put that on his plate. And I don't know that he thrives in a city like Toronto.
1: No, I could be wrong.
0: What do you make of the fact that just Toronto has struggled so much? Like Austin Matthews is not off to a good start. He's only got two goals. And this is a guy that they pegged to have. Well, he got 60 last year. They think, oh, he's going to get 60 again. People were wondering if he could get 70 and he's not he doesn't look like himself I don't know if they were talking last night like he might be injured I think that's just people talking and and looking for an excuse I think Austin Matthews will warm up I think he'll get better obviously he's not going to continue at this slow a pace but he's not looked good Uh, you mentioned before we came on here you didn't think Mitch Martyr looked all that great John Tavares is pretty much the only player in Toronto that has done really anything of major value what's going on there like why why have they struggled so much
1: Something that sticks out like when you're talking is that Austin Matthews, he does have seven points in nine games. So he is producing, but not scoring. But that's a problem because they need him to score. But something I think that also sticks out about Toronto is that it seems like they have all these star players, like we said, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, Austin Matthews, but it seems like they're never all hot at the same time. They're never producing well at the same time. It's either Marner's on a roll or Matthews is on a roll or Tavares is on a roll, but they're never doing it all at the same time. And I think that's kind of been their issue uh, for a little bit, but I also think I am starting to believe that coaching might be an issue. Um, I think maybe they just might need a new voice because they have, I think the team, uh, the forward depth at least to go far, but They've never been able to put it together, and they have had slow starts in the past um, and then kind of figured it out, but it seems like now this is just a pattern where it's just they're going to continue to keep going this way, and obviously the results aren't there, so I don't know what has to change. I don't know if coaching, I think, it should be an option on the table, but uh, obviously something needs to change because they can't keep doing this with the roster that they have and expect that this will all of a sudden change.
0: Okay. Let me ask you a couple of questions when it comes to coaching then. Cause I, I agree with you. I think that's a major concern. I'm especially worried about how many cards Sheldon Keefe has played already early in the season. Like he called out the forwards or the superstars mm-hmm. on the team. And then he backed right off of that. When it sounded like the superstars were all offended by mm-hmm. the fact that he called them out. Then he's just recently called out the blue line saying that they don't look good. Uh, and then uh, he hasn't backtracked on that one yet, but you never know. Like, What did you, one, make of the comments from Sheldon Keefe and then his backtracking on it as though he's like, oh, I I can't reprimand my star guys because they're going to be upset with me. Um, Is that just like a totally, he does not have control of that situation? Is that how you see it? Or are people making much ado about nothing there?
1: To be honest, I didn't mind the comments, actually. Oh,
0: no, no, yeah. I think most people agreed with him.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. I, think
0: he, I think they all thought he was right. Right. But I, but I think that the fact that he backed off and just cowered away from it is what people are thinking about.
1: Yeah, I, I thought about that, too, because I felt like he didn't really say anything wrong. Um, But like you said, we don't know what's going on behind, you know, closed doors. I saw Matthew or Marner made a comment about, like, you know, we're all adults here. We can take it. But obviously something's going on there that he felt like he had to say, oh, wait, maybe I didn't mean it like that. I didn't. It came off wrong kind of thing but yeah that is concerning a lot because if a coach says something like that that's the truth he didn't say anything wrong I don't think it should be kind of taken as is but obviously there's something wrong there that he has to keep backtracking I don't know if it is the players kind of taking control there or just kind of maybe not taking accountability for themselves but and maybe it's not all Sheldon Keefe and maybe that's kind of what's wrong here he might be trying his hardest and the players just aren't responding to him kind of thing and that could come with tenure the longer you're there kind of the staler things get but it is an interesting thing for sure because I think he says the right things but then like you said he keeps backtracking so it's like what's going on here what are your players saying to you but okay. I don't think he should have to
0: okay so that leads me to a good question it was one I was going to ask anyway but you you walked right into this so it's perfect what happens if they do fire Sheldon Keith? So. Does that then tell the players, the stars, the rest of the roster who isn't performing, mm-hmm. other than John Tavares, who isn't performing up to the level that they should, that it's okay that they're not doing that. We'll just fire the coach. Like, is that the wrong message to send? Like, I'm not suggesting that Sheldon Keith is doing a wonderful job. Clearly, right. they have not been able to cross that line. They haven't won a first-round playoff series in forever. Mm-hmm. So there's something wrong there. Like, they just yeah. can't. It's either the way that the team is built by Kyle Dubas the way the team is coached by Sheldon Keefe or the fact that the superstars and the rest of the roster, they just can't play in big moments. I don't know what it is. It's one of those three things. But if you if you get rid of Sheldon Keefe because you're like, well, we got to do something mm-hmm. and you don't move any of the superstars or you don't make a trade to, to fix what might be going on with this roster, does that send the wrong message to the player? Like, because if what I hear you say is correct, and I agree, the players are the ones that need to snap out of this. Yes. Like, this, is, this is on them, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. When you're making that much money and they have, I think, one of the highest payrolls in the league right now, then you should be held accountable and you should be kind of able to kind of jumpstart your own production. It should not have to all be on the coach. But I do think, though, that because Toronto's in the position where, like you said, they can't really make a big trade here that's going to solve everything. They don't really have the assets for that. But I do think that the coach could become kind of the scapegoat for um all of this and if that does happen that should be a wake-up call I think we knew this from even just from other teams that obviously if a coach gets fired it's a reflection on how the team is playing and that Mm -hmm. should come from the players too I know the Blackhawks kind of responded that way when Colleton got fired uh when Jeremy Colleton got fired last year they're like well he got fired because we weren't playing well and that was kind of a reflection on us so that should I think uh be the case for Toronto but Who knows? But I do think that Keith could end up being kind of the scapegoat there, even if, you know, it is on the players and the players should take accountability. But unfortunately that's kind of the position they're in.
0: Would you make a call to Barry Trotz? If you're the Toronto Maple Leafs and, uh, you know, try to get him in there. Cause he's a very structured uh, Mm -hmm. coach. Uh, He's probably the one guy who could go in there and they would all have respect for him. Right. Correct. Would you, would you call him?
1: I don't think it would hurt. And I think Trot said a couple of weeks ago that uh, coaching an original six team is actually very enticing to him because he's never coached an original six team. So right. I think there would be mutual interest there. And like you said, with a team like Toronto, you probably should start with someone very experienced with Stanley cup experience. Yeah. Someone that people or players would buy into. So I don't think it would hurt at all. And I think there would be mutual interest there.
0: Yeah. That would be something if you moved Keith, you brought in Barry Trotz. Here's the thing that I would find extremely interesting and intriguing, though. Barry Trotz has said on record he wants to GM. Mm-hmm. So he was looking when it was in Winnipeg, I think he was looking at eventually probably becoming or moving on a path coaching towards GM. Like in Toronto, if Dubis is on the hot seat, too, you bring in Barry Trotz, you know what you're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. You're not just bringing him in to coach. You're eventually bringing in to be the GM of the team. Like Mm -hmm. that's how I see it. So if Barry Trotz is a guy that you have on your speed dial in Toronto, it's because you not only want him to coach, but you're saying to him, this is temporary. We're going to move you up. Right. Cause we don't see Dubas lasting here. Right. That would be extremely fascinating if something like that were to happen.
1: And I do think that would be kind of a desperation move, a good move, but desperation move. That would be like the team saying we need to do something that could fix this right away kind of thing. And obviously you have to with the talent that you have.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting. All right. uh, Last topic for today, uh, before we close things off, let's talk a little bit about the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, your team. Things have changed ever so slightly in Chicago. Um, The team has played fairly well, you know, considering that nobody expected them to do much of anything and Uh they are winning. Uh, I don't know that it'll last, Uh but uh, I, it's a great start for Chicago, uh, unexpected start for sure. Then there's of course questions about whether or not the winning changes the plan. And Kyle Davidson has already said, no, it does not. Um, he has specifically said, we have a plan. We're going to follow mm-hmm. through with that plan, no matter how much we win or lose. So it is still looking like guys like Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Max Domi, Andres Athanasiu, even Jack Johnson. Uh, mm-hmm. Those players are probably going to be shopped or moved. Uh-huh. That's not going to change no matter how much Chicago wins. What's uh-huh. very interesting so far is that Jonathan Tate has played much better than people had expected him to play. Uh, maybe coming off the injury, they didn't expect much or the illnesses or whatever you want to call it. He's done fairly well, and he sort of changed the narrative of Chicago that maybe he's going to have more attention drawn towards him than anybody would have originally anticipated. It was all about Patrick Kane, right? Uh-huh. Who's going to give what? What's that package going to look like? Does he go to New York? Does he go somewhere else? Now there's a lot of talk that there's going to be some teams, Edmonton, Colorado, uh, just among a couple that are going to be interested in Jonathan Taves. Uh-huh. That's a huge salary for a guy who may or may not be able to give you your know, point production, but so far so good. He's, he's scoring. He's you know a veteran leader. He can play center. He can play depth up and down your lineup. He's got playoff experience and multiple cups on his resume. He's an interesting guy. What do you make of the whole, I mean, it's Patrick Kane, still Patrick Kane. He's going to get the- Right. right? But what about this Jonathan Taves talk? Like, it's quite interesting that he's getting so much attention.
1: Do you know what? Taves talked a lot in the off season about like kind of making this year, his year. Like he knows it's the last year of his contract. He knows that the trade talk is surrounding him and that if he wants to go to a contender, he kind of has to put destiny in his own hands there and kind of up his production. Cause obviously last year was bad for him, but obviously he was coming back obviously from, you know, the health problems that he faced, but Uh, so I'm actually not surprised because he talked about, you know, that he had a pretty good off season and that he was really betting on himself this year. And he seemed pretty excited about this season and what he could do. And he showed it, I think even in the first game, he was very noticeable. He still is, I think one of the most noticeable players on the Blackhawks right now, every shift, I think he has a 62% in the faceoff dot, which is amazing. Um, he's also tied for second, uh, or actually for first, actually, I think, uh, in goals on the team right now with four, uh he's producing almost at a point per game pace. He's got six points in eight games. I mean, he's doing what is expected of him to do. And it's honestly nice to see. Um, and I think he wants it for himself too. So, um, yeah, like I said, I'm actually not really surprised because of how kind of eager he seemed over the offseason, especially with the new head coach. He seemed really eager to play for Luke Richardson. So, you know, we'll see if he keeps this up, but it's been a really encouraging start.
0: Well, what's got me most interested about what he's been doing is who he's been doing it with. Right, like you put Patrick Kane on a top line with Max Domi and Andrei and Ath- you. There's two guys that have some skill there. So you're thinking, okay, well they can. Jonathan Taves isn't really playing with skill, right? He's on a second line that doesn't have a ton to offer. So that tells me if you put him on any line on any team, he's going to get you some sort of production, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a really good sign if you're a team that's interested in him. My only concern, and I guess it's not really a concern, but it's more like how does this work? is he's a 10.5 million dollar cap hit even if Chicago retains half of that which is then 5.25 they get a third team involved which becomes what 2.75 it's or yeah 2 it's it's still tricky it's not exactly the easiest now the trade doesn't have to be much i think bob Stoffer boilers now was like it's going to maybe take two second rounders to get that done which is still a pretty big price for a rental the the question is as he goes here Is he worth two second round picks? And is Chicago happy with that? I mean, you would know, right? Is that something if, man, if we can get two second rounders for Jonathan Tays, we're we're happy, happy. Is that kind of what you're thinking?
1: I think so, because it seems like Kyle Davidson, their general manager's plan is to, you know, gain as much draft capital as possible, no matter how, where it comes from. They kind of did that with the Jason Dickinson trade with Vancouver when they got a second round pick. So I think he would be happy with that. But I also think that Kyle Davidson would take what he could get with Tays if Tays requested a trade. I think he would do right, especially by Kane too. I think for both of them, if they said, I want out, he would make it happen. I think for their sake. So, but I do think no matter what the draft capital is, Kyle Davidson would be happy about that because he seems very, you know, eager to keep building up uh, draft capital. So we'll see, but I think that could definitely, uh, I think that's realistic for sure.
0: So are, are you saying if somebody comes to Chicago and says, look, we're interested we can only afford to give you a third. And yeah. Jonathan Taze is like, Yeah, I'd rather go there than go there. Kyle mm-hmm. Davidson would take the third over the two seconds. Is that where you're getting at? Like he's yeah. he's in a position now where he just wants to help the player and he mm-hmm. wants to move him out and do right. But like would he really yes. like he wouldn't take the two seconds if he thought that <laughs> Taze wouldn't be happy about that? Yeah, I think well, I mean was- obviously Taze has control, right? So mm-hmm. yes, he does. He doesn't uh, he's got the no trade, no move, so he can just decide he doesn't right. want to go there and eventually you're stuck with the player if you don't move him. But like, is that where you think this would go? Where Taze is like, look, I'm going to pick two teams uh-huh. maybe, right? Yes. And that's, that's it, so.
1: Yes, I I think so. Obviously, I think he'd rather take the two seconds, Uh, but I do think, like I said, he I think he would ultimately do right by Taze and Kane because also their agent, who also represents Claude Giroux, was in the same position last year. He told him, I want to go to Florida. And they made it happen. I think that would be the same thing. And I know that Patrick their agent just talked to the media and said they would circle back on trade stuff um, with Kane about like where what teams are interested at that point in December, kind of let them talk it through and stuff. So I think that is applied to Taze as well. Like I said, I think he will do right by them, um, no matter kind of what that looks like. But I still think he's going to try to get a good package out of it, no matter where he goes to but I do think yeah he would settle for a third I do think so if that's where Tays wanted to go
0: what what do you make of the Max Domi production so far he's played pretty well
1: oh he's been amazing he's been I think one of their best forwards um surprisingly and he's I think even Luke Richardson the coach said that this is probably the best he's seen him play and he saw him play in a career year in Montreal uh, with the Montreal Canadiens. So it's kind of sad because it means he's kind of up in his trade value here, which I know is what the Blackhawks want. But yeah, it's a perfect fan,
0: situation for them. Yeah. Right? yeah.
1: But as a fan, you're kind of like, oh, if he keeps his production up, it'd be nice to have him stay. So, but it's nice to see because he did struggle the past few years and there was a lot of pressure on him, especially this year. So it is nice to see, but we'll see if he keeps it up.
0: Yeah. That's the thing about Domi is, there's a lot of skill there. There's a lot of talent there, but he is one of those players. And I don't know if this is a fact, but he seems to get comfortable. Like when, yes. when he's been on a team and he's got a contract, that production goes straight down. And so if he's playing really well, knowing he's either going to up his trade value or he's going to get another contract. Cause he got a one-year deal with Chicago. I can see why the motivation would be there to play your butt off. Mm-hmm. Does that happen? If Chicago resigns him, I think he'd love to stay with Luke Richardson. Yes. I don't think he wouldn't mind being in Chicago, but Do you, if you're the Blackhawks, go, look, this is all great. We love it. We appreciate it. But Mm -hmm. we've seen your resume. We know that this might not. We got to trade you when your value is at the highest because there's no guarantee that this is going to stay this way because it always goes down, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, Max Domi is an interesting option for me because I think for Chicago, they just are crossing their fingers and hoping that he keeps it up and that what might have been a fourth-round pick turns into a second or what might be if he's just on fire and he gets twenty five to thirty goals? That mean, they could even get a first. Like, would not that be something, right? The, a, a player you signed that you had no real thought of. Well, we need somebody to come in here and play. We need some veteran experience, and maybe we can flip them for something towards it. Like that, all of a sudden becomes a hey, we can get a decent draft pick out of this. Like Max Domi, if he's hot, is a really valuable player, right? Uh mm-hmm.
1: huh. Yeah. And I think also like last quick thing, he's also playing on a first line with Patrick Kane and Patrick Kane honestly yeah. just makes everyone better. So if Kane is gone, I don't know where that leaves Domi, but like I said, either way, good start. Good to see.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nope. That's fair. All right. Well, that's going to, that's going to do it for today. Uh We'll obviously have more stuff to talk about the next time we get on here and have a chat about what other trades might go down. Cause It's early, so we're not expecting too many teams to make deals. But as we've already seen, some teams have struggled immediately out of the gate, and some continue to struggle. There's injury situations. There's teams that are just not performing where they should be. And that always leads to some sort of movement. So it'll be interesting to see where this all goes, and we'll talk about it on the next show for sure. Uh, Brooke, thank you very much. For everybody else, it's been another edition of the NHL Trade Talk podcast. Don't forget, you can download, subscribe, share this. uh, Get it on NHLTradeTalk.com. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It would be greatly appreciated. And we'll talk to everybody next time on another show, another NHL Trade Talk podcast. See you guys then.